Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Lab. Um, as always, sitting with you, you have, in his rocking chair, uh, Brandon Weirig. The uh, man bun in, in the corner there is uh, Alex Schroeder. And with the headphones, I'm Lou Follenkamp. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed uh, last week's episode. Um, that was a wonderful little discussion that we had there. But kind of switching up gears here today, we're actually going to talk about the preseason. Uh, in some of our previous episodes, we've discussed in-season training and the importance of, you know, maintaining your, you know, your fitness, your strength, uh, conditioning, what have you throughout the season. Um, but we wanted to kind of change up the, the the timing of everything, and we're going to go more with the preseason today. Um, some of you might not have a good idea of what preseason means. Uh, pre, it's pretty self-explanatory, uh, but preseason conditioning um, or training basically just refers to um, just before the competitive season, right? Like I said, self-explanatory. Um, however, there's a specific focus in physical preparation where we're going to have a little bit of a discussion between Brent and Alex and I um, about maybe what key attributes of the athlete need to be addressed before, whether or not if it's strength, whether or not if it's endurance, agility, maybe it's a particular skill, Um this could be a few weeks, this could be a few months before uh, the actual start of the competitive season, whether it's soccer, for example, for this fall or football. Um, but just some of the reasons why it actually matters um, is obviously if you're under conditioned, I guess from a physical therapist point of view, or maybe an athletic trainer point of view, uh, if you're under conditioned, there's maybe some movement pattern that's maybe not efficient as it possibly could be. Uh, and then you go trying to compete at that high level in season and you're maybe not up to snuff where you maybe need to be, uh, you come see me or you meet with the athletic trainer. And then after that, you come see me. Um, so let's, let's not have that happen. Let's have a, a little bit of a discussion here between Brent and Alex and I on why preseason is so important. Take it away, gents. You want me to go? Yeah, go <laughs> I want to hear both of you. Your rants here, I'm um, curious. This is where I'm going to start getting a little bit more into a sport-specific style, like demand. Every sport, like mm -hmm. fall, for instance, like their preseason is longer than any other preseason there is mm -hmm. for high school sports. Because when you got like all summer, and then like when August hits, is like when your camp starts. So you're basically going from August to uh, maybe the third or fourth week of August. So you got like a three or four week hard camp preseason style to where like basketball, your fall sport ends. You only get maybe – you're supposed to get, you know, your two or three days off and you're going right into it. And you might have a basketball scrimmage depending on how far you go and do your tournament in the fall. Like, you might even miss a scrimmage. So, like, you don't really get a season, a preseason, which, I mean, if you're talking football conditioning and basketball conditioning, that is two totally different um, movements. Like, if you come right out of football season and you think, okay, I just got done playing football, I'm going to go into basketball, I'll be fine, you're not going to be same thing going into baseball going into track like those are just two different uh energy system two different demands so having that preseason is is very vital so for multi-sport athletes you know you're gonna have like that week or two transition but um for like right now like my basketball boys i'm kind of starting getting them ready conditioning wise for what's about to come like these guys play two or three times a week they play all 32 minutes every game and they have to be on the on the gas the whole time so right now we're just working on just getting their uh, GPP up. And also we're working on building – like I'm a good guy that does – you're sprinting all year round. 
no matter what sport you're playing, you're always going to sprint all year round. So now can we build off that? So right now we're doing kind of heavy resisted sprints. You know, we might do 10 heavy yards of resistance sprints for, you know, five, six reps. And then we're going to reduce the weight a little bit. We're going to go 20 yards and then maybe we'll reduce the weight a little bit. We'll go 40 yards. And that's kind of like our, our peak power sprint burst um, style with a kind of minimal rest, kind of matching that, that game style. So, you know, you're probably going to play probably no longer than a minute and a half straight without something happening, ball going out of bounds, t- uh, free throws, timeouts, so on and so forth. So just kind of mimicking that style of basketball, what I mean, kind of more sport specific, but that also kind of goes true for um, at, a, at a much larger scale um, soccer. You kind of have that same motion, you know, you're always, you walk a lot in soccer. I mean, if you sit in a soccer game, there, there's a lot of walking going on. So that recovery mm-hmm. time is kind of the same. You'll have like that burst. Obviously, the field's way bigger, but and you're going to co- cover more ground, but you are going to uh, walk a lot. So you can kind of mimic those styles of, of training. But then I usually finish up with a, a aerobic capacity or uh, a push in the anaerobic going into aerobic. So maybe like a 300 shuttle or something along those lines for a basketball, I guess, um, aspect, what I'm doing personally with the guys that I'm working with right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and just to like piggyback off of that, that actually is something that I picked up and learned like from Brandon as well is as far as like sprinting, um, or some kind of a sprint like year round rather than just like continually to build like their strength and endurance pretty much um, they still have to have those mechanics, especially as their leverages change and as their power output increases, they need to be able to learn to control it and everything like that. So like, you know, I'm not ashamed to go out and ask on how to make an athlete better if I don't know the answer to, especially like if I can't find it, you know, if I'm like doing my own research and stuff like that. So, you know, that's one of the things that like Brandon has drastically helped me with as far as like the sprinting aspect. of training the athletes and keeping them at like a high level like that. And then, um, with like the sports specific stuff, it just, it, it just because like you have a basketball in your hand or you're carrying a football while doing a one arm curl with the other arm, like doesn't make it sports specific. It, that's so stupid. Like the, the way that we do sports specific training or how we look at it is we look in terms of like the personnel. So if you're going to have mm-hmm. a, offensive linemen, for example, they're going to naturally be squatting to like a higher box because that's where their power uh, output needs to be the strongest at is when they're in their stance and they're firing off the line. So if you just take that and just rotate them down, just how you would on a box squat, their same angles are the same. So, and then you get like a specialty players and stuff like AJ, for example, AJ typically trains to a lower box because he's in weird positions that he needs to be strong in. So like those really aggressive, um, you know, where he's like trying to push the hole forward and stuff and his hips are low and he's trying to get under people's pads, like that kind of stuff. Actually, I think you bring up a, a pretty good point to talk about then Trotter, because you just went through a lot of different specifics for each sport. So I think, you know, just for like developing strength and conditioning coaches, one thing I would say and even as like a physical therapist or athletic trainer is to become a student of the sport and find what the specific needs or attributes of that position is. And then that's how you can kind of critique and modify your training for that athlete. Like you guys have already done. Um, I think that sometimes can get kind of lost and people think stronger, faster, bigger, 
in all aspects of training. But I do think that kind of making it more like that individualized approach or a position specific approach can also be wonderful um, and necessary. Um, so I well, guess kind of going into, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I mean, like the other aspect of it is, is, you know, we hear every year, especially with like our soccer players, is they're going into like their two-a-days and stuff like that. And they have like the beep tests or they got to run like stadium stairs plus a mile in between. Or they got to mm -hmm. run, you know, 15 down and backs in a certain time, like on the field. I mean, name one instance where that ever happens in, in a game. Like you, if you want to truly become like sports specific, right, as a coach, mm -hmm. then you need to train the way that those players are going to play. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't know. It's not rocket science, but people <laughs> make it out to be. Yeah. They, well, I'll even push it so far. Like whenever I'm like, I, my, I tell my guys, like, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to hit it in. But in reality, in your sport, mm -hmm. you get a timeout, right? If your coach sees like his team is gassed and there's two minutes left in the game, dude's going to call a timeout. All right. Take yep. the rest. So you get one timeout. Like you're going to go as hard as you can. When you guys need to feel like you guys need that timeout, take the timeout. We'll take a minute rest. Then you're going to finish it with everything you got. Just to try to make it that much more. Because if you start getting to that, you got it all of a sudden you're on the clock, you're doing intervals, and you see you got a minute and a half, two minutes left, you're going to start kind of you know, teetering Close. down a little bit. That's yeah. Just, yeah, the body's naturally going to happen like that. So if you take that 30 seconds mm -hmm. of that minute rest and give yourself, if I can teach you how to properly recover faster, which is what mm -hmm. I what, really what conditioning is, is how fast you recover. Yep. To give you that extra burst, mm -hmm. that's what we're going to do. Like you running a mile, that's not going to make you more explosive. Not going to make you more faster in your sport. It's just going to figure out, okay, this is how I can coast a, a mile. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when I got to mm -hmm. go to a quick change of direction and repeat and start and stop, my body's not ready for it. And that's how injuries happen because you're not training to be ready for your sport. You can't yeah, just that's like what just hold. Hop in. Yeah. That's what pre comp's all about. Like when we start getting in closer to. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm doing an overhead med ball throw at max effort, like, mm -hmm. starting to engage the rotator cuffs, the lats, like, that works for volleyball players, it works for baseball players, it works for tennis serves, it works, I mean, it's a broad spectrum, so it's not necessarily sport-specific teetered to one area. Mm -hmm. I agree. So I could have four or five different sports doing one exercise that's going to benefit them for their sport. Yeah. I mean, look and at that's the my rant right of, there. Uh, that's your rant. <laughs> I was going to say, look at the consequences of, uh, let's say, Aaron Rodgers, uh, who just suffered an Achilles uh, tendon rupture last night against the Bills. Um, so one thing that they're going to go back and analyze is maybe what he was doing in preseason, especially with all the hodgepodge that was going on in media, talking about where's he going to go, what's he going to be doing. I mean, how much time was allocated to actual training? I don't know. He wasn't really sure what he was going to do at that point. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see and like talk about like the increased risk of injury, the lack of performance in terms of like conditioning or even like being able to perform at a high speed or even sustaining speed. Um, just kind of, uh, I mean, we have trying to think, I think I saw a statistic today, that, like there's already 14 Achilles ruptures so far and we've just started the season mm -hmm. in the NFL. That's kind of crazy to me. Uh, well, I mean, there was a remember a couple of years ago, there was like a bunch of ACLs blown out. COVID too. year. Yeah. COVID year. Yeah. That it's just everybody wants to Achilles. blame it on the turf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would rather go back to and look extent, at like what was I mean, their preparation. Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying. Like, th- I don't think turfs is the the cause for it as what people say it is. Like, if you start breaking yeah. like frame by frame, like, no, mm-hmm. you're just getting too fancy and you're freaking speed and agility and balance ladders, and you're not working on putting power into the ground. I'm not probably learning how to decelerate coming out of a the cut. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, your leg gets locked out and you try to cut. And Newton's first law of motion: anything in motion goes in motion. <laughs> it's gonna keep going the way it's going because you ain't got no post chain to change the direction and wonder why you're just tore your ACL because you're trying to go one way, your knees going one way, you're trying to rotate and mm-hmm. it's just my two cents on it. I mean, turf's been around for a lot longer and all of a sudden these ACL injuries are going through the roof longer than turf's been around. Mm-hmm. You start getting and I think also cleats might have a little bit of effect to it because everybody's trying to get the lightest and smallest and type yep. of cleat to where they just can't handle that kind of motion on that little of material. Yeah. Yeah. Point. Point made. Yeah. So kind of leading into more of, I guess, the sports specific, what, what you said you've been using specific types of exercises for same sports, or would you say like you go way more specific based off the athlete's sport? So like, for example, obviously the difference between a cross country runner and a football player, you guys are taking what approaches to their trainings as they get into the fall and into the season. Like, what do you guys maybe uh, shying away from? Yeah, whatever you guys um, are, like, kind of shying getting away, away from, from and getting into more. Yeah. I personally, I'll start getting rid like, for my cross-country runners, I'll start getting away from the eccentric mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, you're already pounding your body with miles and miles. I'm going to kind of just take away that that eccentric portion of it. I'm going to kind of start getting away from your, your bilateral stuff. So we can still work on creating a high amount of force production, but we can do it single leg. Mm-hmm. Um, a little less taxing on the nervous system, but also like as a runner, all you do is one leg at a time. So we spent all summer for like cost country, for instance, we spent all summer working on just like bilateral power outputs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to kind of transition it more into like a single leg unilateral style training, kind of start working on, uh, depends on the courses or depends what, um, style of training they have at school. Like if they're doing the same exact course every time and it's a five left turns and two right turns that left hip's going to start kind of taking a pounding so i can kind of start Mm -hmm. figuring out some what what deficits where and things along that line through the unilateral training too yeah okay how about in terms of sports that don't necessarily always have like um let's say like a a true preseason like trotter speaking on powerlifting um when you guys like establish the date of a meet, how have you gone about like adjusting and like making sure that you're peaking at the right time? Like, how do you establish like what it like what for you might be different for like another person who like let's say is new to the game of powerlifting? Oh, I mean, if you're new to the game, then the best thing that you can do is just compete. Just keep competing. I mean, compete mm-hmm. four or five times a year. Like in, until you start building like a very high threshold of certain weights or you start competing to the, the point of, oh, hey, I could win some money at this meet, then then you can back it down and start planning them out for uh, two meets a year kind of thing. But in terms of like just getting started, you just need to get started. Like everybody talks about, well, I, I need to bulk up first, mm-hmm. then get stronger. Like that'll happen as you go. Or um, what's another one? Um, oh, I'm, I'm not very competitive in my weight class. No shit. Somebody's been lifting in your weight class for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to be better than them. That's, that's literally like you stepping onto an NFL field 
for the first time and trying to guard uh, Devontae Adams or Jamar Chase for the local mm-hmm. people. Like you're, you're, he's going to cook you. Like he's going to make you look stupid. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It, it's all about just like gradually progressing. And then that's, that's part of the conjugate system too, is you're we're we are ready at any given time all year round. That's why you, mm-hmm. that's why you do your speed squats with your certain percentages, with your certain bands during different times of the year, because there's different loading phases and stuff. Right. But mm-hmm. realistically at any given time, like if you're staying true to the method, you, you're ready for a meet within three weeks. Okay. That's pretty sweet to know. So what if you had like maybe not a true team sport or maybe not powerlifting, but more of like maybe a martial artist or uh, someone has like that one bout and then they're done for like, let's say a few months. Like how are you guys going to go about ramping up that person or maybe taking into consideration like it's a team sport, but they score as individuals like track. So like in track, you have multiple different like, you know, events that you can do. So like if you guys work with a team, how are you guys going about with like more of like that individual event approach you got to train the individual Mm -hmm. i mean it's then that becomes like individualized so you know if i have a um a hurdler for example that can't hold a top end speed then we are going to change the way that he he um he or she i guess um trains into more like of a strength endurance so they can continue to hold that top end speed but then, you know, if you have one that can hold that top end speed, but they're like a diesel truck and they take forever to get out of the blocks to the first hurdle, then they need to train that first explosive movement. They need to work on their accelerations. And so you got to train them kind of kind of the same yet different at the same time. So you can easily just do the – they both do the same, say, dynamic squats. Right? One's doing a 5-by-5 a five five or a 4-by-6, and the other one's doing a 10-by-2. You know, or whatever it may be. Well, the exercise can stay the same, but the rep schemes and stuff like that can kind of start teetering, you know, one yeah. way or the other. Because at that point, you're looking at bar speed, especially for, like, the strength endurance. So whether they're doing a 10 by 2, which is 20 reps, or they're doing a, what is, make it easier, a 4 by 5 for 20 reps too. Each mm-hmm. one of those reps, regardless of the athlete, the bar still moves the exact same. Kind of like that overall preparedness. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of if you guys had to put down the top three things you guys look for in athletes besides bar speed, like as the season approaches, what would you guys say you're really honing in on? Like what would be like your your KPIs? Uh, your overall just physical preparedness. Mm-hmm. That's the first one. Um. After if we've been working for a while, and I know you got a, you know, a certain shifts one way or the other. Is that dialed mm-hmm. in? You know, is your, you know, yeah. Um, like right now, I got one basketball guy that just has always rolls his ankles. So like, if I t- do his ankle test and it's within, or if it's off by you know a finger or two, like, hey, last time you were off this distance, you you rolled it. So to kind of get a little bit more specific into like what that athlete. It's kind of hard to just know to dial in to say mm-hmm. in general terms because everybody's so different and everybody's <laughs> just along the lines of that. But I would say mm-hmm. if I had to pick one thing overall, I'd just say, are you generally 
physically prepared for your sport. Yeah, makes sense. The rest, the rest is just kind of too, too broad, I guess, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that it simply comes down to the athlete, like Brandon said as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, if I, I have like a basketball player, right? So we're training. Um, we're switching her style up to more of like a volume to get her ready and to slowly build her GPP without necessarily just hammering her on like sprints. So we're doing that in all aspects of it. So like we're shortening her rest periods. She's getting more volume in because she's starting to handle more. So not only is the weights going up, but she's doing more reps with it. So that has to be tracked as well because you're, you're inevitably going to hit a wall where there could be an injury that happens or like we need to back it off for like a week or two, let her body acclimate and then re reassign it from there. So a lot of that has to go. But one of the other things is I, I just, I would really rely on athlete feedback. So, you know, what, when they go to like open gyms or they go to their first practice or something like that. And, you know, they're saying that, uh, you know, whatever they ran, 10 suicides or something like that. Well, all of a sudden my athlete's not the one that's bent over like sucking air, but she's just fine and could have gone more. And she was like, you know, top three in all the sprints too. So that shows me that her power staying up, her speed staying up and her endurance is staying up, which mm-hmm. I can't ask for anything more than that at that phase. Makes sense. But anything else you guys would want to maybe, I guess, Little little words of advice, maybe to the athletic trainers, the the strength coaches at the high school level, because uh, I mean, obviously, you guys are. Oh, out I can spend that. Sector. That could be a whole episode right there. Yeah. Hey, lay it on me. I'm ready for it. Uh, well, I'll start out with this. There's more to. Trainers. There's more of the lifting than the squat, the power clean, the deadlift, the military press, and I'm missing one. Squat, yeah, bench, deadlift, military, uh, hand clean. Ankling. Did I say yeah. that one? Yeah, them five. There's more than that than just five lifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't got to do them the same exact rep scheme and the same exact days and the same exact time every every week. Mm-hmm. And the same weights. How Like, that is so stupid. How are you going to get stronger doing the same thing day after day? I it Like, that, that blows my mind. And if you can't front squat, you shouldn't be hand cleaning. No. Break, break the movement down. If you, like literally a hand clean it's got to start on the ground so you got to pull it up that's a deadlift then from there you're doing a high pull to get it up if you suck at high pulls you shouldn't do the hand clean if you suck it like front squat if if your if your deadlift is 200 pounds and your front squat is 100 pounds your hand clean is 100 pounds that's that's what it is like it's so simple you just just break it all down and whatever is the weakest, that's your number. I don't even need to do a hand clean. I know what it's going to be. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get that intense of a rant out of you two. Jeez and Pete. I hate Olympic oh, I just lifts. get tired of hearing it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks Olympic lift is like the king of the king exercise or whatever. And it, and it is. It's a very technical lift. But if, but if mm-hmm. you're not proficient in all three things that go into that one movement, and you suck. Mm-hmm. Face that actually brings a very good point, though. Like using the Olympic lifts, like almost like the one day when we were doing the sprints on the treadmill. For that example, like 
you're a pretty powerful guy, right? Mm -hmm. So like watching try to run, like you, you didn't watch him deadlift. You got a lot of strength, but it was like, how do you go about like expressing that? And it is a little bit more of a skill almost as opposed to actually being like a strength attribute. Um, oh, well, yeah, you have to, you have to be able to apply the force in the correct mm -hmm. direction. Exactly. Well, I listened, I actually listened to a, I read a thing today where it's like in a, in a perfect world, like force output and power output will translate into this, but in the real world, real world, that's not the case. Cause if the guy was the case, powerlifters would be the fastest people in the world. Yeah. 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 It's a little bit more than just the, the, the book doesn't ex exactly explain reality. It just kind of mm -hmm. says, okay, this, this equals this, or this times this equals this. So when you get into reality and all of a sudden you got a guy that can squat 600 pounds and he can produce a lot of force, but all of a sudden you can't sprint. And that's yep. not, he might not even be a powerlifter. He might just be a freaking nature that gets strong as shit. And then mm -hmm. just can't apply it. Yeah. Not an athlete. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the, so the same day, like just to toot my own horn, I guess, and to kind of talk shit about myself. So like I was 302 pounds or something like that and ran mm -hmm. that 18 and a half mile an hour. But then like that same time I was jumping around 32, 34 inches. So it's like the, there is a difference there. I can go up like my, as long as my power is going like straight down and straight up, I'm golden. But when it's got to go in a, in a line and mm. like a uh, unilaterally unilateral, there like there, go. there's a big difference there. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, I mean, no, no matter how that. much Brandon was like trying to correct my form, I physically could not get into the position that he needed me in. Now, if I, if, if I could quote you, your, uh, your belly was smacking your knees. That's what I believe. No, my quads. Your quads. Sorry. Yes. Your quads. <laughs> yeah. But I will say I did still run faster than Lou. So there is that. No, you didn't. I don't care what you say. You have no proof. No, you didn't. There's a treadmill. That's yeah, a treadmill gosh. at the gym. <laughs> that could be a fun challenge. It could be fun. I mean, you want to lose in that too, I guess. Hey, you already doubted my deadlift. Game on, man. Yeah. Why well, not? I mean, yeah. I know a yeah. bunch of women that can deadlift 500. Hey, so do I. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> uh, no. Anything else you guys want to add in on preseason conditioning and training? Um, uh, most of you coaches are a, an actual coach for the sport, not the weightlifting coach. We'll handle our shit if you handle yours. It goes together. Like, we, we don't spend mm -hmm. nine months out of the year training your bread and butter athlete for you to fuck it all up during the season. Cause that's, that's more annoying than anything I can possibly think of mm -hmm. every single year. We'll get soccer girls to come back and they have lost everything. And it drives me up a wall. Cause I hate restarting. Tell me how you really feel. Soccer coach, go fire yourself. <laughs> Sweet Lord. I'll edit that out too. No, you can leave that one. Leave, leave that one? Okay. I, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. No. Uh, well, we hope you guys enjoyed today's discussion on preseason training. Uh, we will see you guys in the next episode.